Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine in these last days. Join Pastor Moses for today's message. Uh, because none of us can do this alone. And you know what happens when we are gathered in his name. The Bible says wherever two or three of you are gathered in his name, he is there in the midst of you. We are gathered on this online platform and from the experiences that we have had, from the visitations that we have received, even the testimonies that come out through this broadcast, we know undoubtedly that the Lord is with us on this broadcast. So while we're waiting for the prayer request to come up, I would love to start with a prayer of my own. And this prayer is coming right out of John chapter 17, verse 23. John 17, 23, why don't you go very quickly with me, if you can, to the gospel according to St. John chapter 17, verse 23. I mean, as believers, we would never run out of things to pray for or run out of guidance on how to pray because Jesus prayed all the time. What an awesome example we have in Jesus. He prayed all the time. And so no matter what happens, when you look and see the life of Jesus more closely, you always find something new to pray about, something that you may have thought about but not prayed about. Look at Jesus here in John 17, 23. He said, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them as you have loved me. Come on. (laughs) Jesus says that I in you, you, he says I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect. Do you know that on Sunday, um, as I was receiving that message about Lazarus, One of the things that came to my heart also, which I didn't particularly mention, is that the way the church is going to be made perfect is by the resurrection power. It is not by what we do. It is not by the intercessions for one another. It is not by standing in the gap. It is not by being moved with compassion to intervene and to intercede or to interact. It is going to be by the Lord himself coming in his own time to shout out our name, and then we will come forth. The same way he stood at the tomb of Lazarus, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. We will be made perfect because we are in him, and he is in us. I did say on Sunday, however, from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, we understand that it begins with us inviting him, the Lord Jesus, to come in. And he says, once you have done that, I would then invite you to come up and be with me. And so one of the things that we would pray today is that, Father, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, and the teacher. Because of your Holy Spirit that is in the world, that is in us believers, we know that we will not remain where we're at beyond the appointed time. So we may have seen the church not as functional as it could be. We may have seen ourselves as a body not manifesting the glorified life as we should. 
even as individuals. There are things that we have read of our Lord and Savior Jesus. There are things that we have read of the apostles that we desire to see made manifest in our lives. As much as we may have gone through seasons after season, perhaps even centuries after centuries of not seeing these things, we know that when the time comes, we will hear your voice calling us to come forth. Let our dependence, Lord, let our expectations, let them be that you will come for us. Let us not depend on ourselves. Let us not hold each other. Let us not hold it against each other for where we're at. Let us stop judging one another, but let us continually in one accord hope for your divine intervention to raise the dry bones to life again, to call us forth so that we can be as alive as you were when you were in this world, present with the power of the Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Folks, let me just take a moment to, to explain to you a little bit more what that prayer means to me. What that prayer means to me is a recalibration of who and what I am looking at. Do you know that there are times wherein in the body of Christ we have looked at the behavior of other people and in a way subtly blaming them for where the church is. We may be looking into the world and looking at the way things are being done and blaming others for where things are. But with a prayer like that, that Jesus said in John 17, 23, we know that for us to be made perfect, it has to be because Jesus is in us. With that said, we should let go of whatever we may have held against any groups of people, any person in particular, even things that we have held against ourselves. I know that many people would wish they fasted more than they do. They would wish they prayed more than they do, even studied the word of God more than they do. Many, many people also would say, oh, I wish I witnessed more than I've done. And when we put all the focus on what we can do, we can easily miss out on what he has done. The summary of all of what I am saying and praying is that we will continually recognize and focus on having that presence of the Lord Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit right within our hearts. Because it is in him and he in us that makes us perfect. It is him being in us that makes us perfect. Isn't that such a relief? Isn't that such a joy to know that because he never fails, when the time comes in whatever state, when they have, in whatever state that we have found when he comes, we will come to life and we will glorify the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you this. I had a revelation a while ago that just made my Christian walk, my walk with the Lord, a bit more interesting. Jesus said to his disciples, I am calling you to be witnesses of me. He's calling us not to be the ones working the miracles necessarily, but to be witnesses to what he does in this world. Think about it. Lazarus could not have raised himself from the dead. Imagine if Lazarus was there while he was dead, blaming Mary and Martha 
for not getting to Jesus early enough while he was sick. Will that bring him back to life? Imagine if Mary and Martha were blaming one another for not getting to Jesus early or perhaps even blame Jesus for not responding as quickly as they wanted him to respond. Would that have made any difference? No. The only thing that made the difference in the case of Lazarus is that he, and if you didn't listen to the message on Sunday, I really encourage you, go find it. It's there on YouTube. It's there on Facebook. Go find it and listen to it again because this will then make more sense to you. I hope. But for those who listened, I want you to follow this train of thought with me. The only thing that made a difference was the appointed time came. Jesus said it. He says, now let us go that we may raise him up. They told Jesus that he was sick. He didn't move from where he was. And after he knew that he had died, he still stayed where he was until a particular time, which was not set by Lazarus. It wasn't set by Mary. It wasn't set by Martha. It was set by the father himself. And Jesus, knowing the heart of the father, moved at that time and we saw the resurrection. I may not like where the church has been, I may not like the fact that we've lost the kind of relevance that we've read about in the Bible. I may not like the fact that we haven't seen as much the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you what, there is nothing that you nor I can do about it in the state that we're in other than to continue to hope that he, to, to continue to know that he will come for us at the right time because he makes everything beautiful in its time. So my focus and your focus is to ensure that continually we are nurturing that presence of the Lord on the inside of us. The Bible says, do not grieve the spirit. And so what we need to focus on is ensure that whatever he says to us, we obey. We To ensure that we are constantly making the efforts to cultivate that interaction, to speak to the Lord and to listen for the things that he is saying. Because all we need to do is to ensure that that sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit is very much tangible in our lives and guess what we together will be made perfect god is good Alrighty. so do we have any prayer requests i think all the comments um there's been a, a bunch of comments right now and um there's been a bunch of comments right now i'm not sure i can look through all of them but then but then if there's any prayer requests you may want to help me pin it on the screen uh, so that I can see and then we can pray. However, in the absence of that, today what I want to speak to us about is a subject that's been, um, we've, we've talked about it a couple of months ago. I, I've spoken about it, I've referenced it, I've mentioned it, but then it came, it came up in my spirit again today and rather strongly too. And that is the concept of the joy of our salvation. You know, the Bible says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. Endured the cross, despising the shame. So I would love for us to go to the book of Revelations chapter 6. Revelations chapter 6 is a chapter that talks about the four horsemen that we have come to know as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We've talked about the white horse, the one who's got the crown and who also has a bow in his hand, who is attacking from a distance. We've also spoken about the, uh, the red horse that brings division, that brings the sword, 
that, that, that comes and plagues men with enmity such that people would rise up and start to attack one another. The one that we haven't talked about much is the pale ore, horse, which, of course, that, that term that describes the color of that horse is believed by some people to actually means colorless, some almost like a translucent horse, but with some kind of um, incandescence or, or, or fluorescence. Uh, but whatever you think the color of that horse is, we know exactly what that horse represents. It represents death. It would bring death upon the earth. And it's not just the children of disobedience that will die, but some of the elect will be, will be crucified, will be persecuted, will lose their lives in the process of the plague that comes with that horse. And you know, in recent times, I've been saying quite extensively that we should not be afraid of whatever comes because Jesus has overcome everything, even death. And so we know that for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. We know that in the face of persecution, we need to rejoice continually because then the promise of God over us is being fulfilled. Jesus says, as I am, so are you. As I, as I was persecuted, so shall you be persecuted. And as I was resurrected, so shall you be resurrected. As I was glorified, so shall you be glorified. And so no matter what it is that we go through, we should count it all joy, even when we are being persecuted. However, without a genuine revelation of the joy that is ahead of us as believers, sometimes our emotions will get the better of us. Because let me tell you something, persecution is never fun. When Jesus was going through his persecution, it wasn't fun. When he was getting close to the cross, to crucifixion, Guess what happened? He came under such an emotional burden. The Bible says that he would sweat and his sweat would be as thick as blood. He was sweating as though it was blood. In fact, medically, I, I've come to understand that there is actually a condition of anxiety wherein a person would actually start to have a, a, a collapse in their vein and a, a vein structure to the point where I mean, blood will seep out of their pores. You know, those pores that are meant to be for sweat. I mean, I know it's gory and graphic and all of that. Um, and I don't have to take you through the passion of the Christ. But what I'm saying is, with that depiction, we know that it wasn't fun. Now, why am I saying this today? I'm saying this today because, number one, I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is saying unto the churches. But also, I'm aware because I interact with many of brothers and sisters on a day-to-day -day basis. And people have been prophesying about a forthcoming persecution against the body of Christ. I know we've seen a couple of things happen in these last days. Uh, in these, day, these days in recent times uh, that points to the fact that more is on the way, that there is going to be more persecution, that there is going to be more uh, perilous times as the Bible prophesied, not because we're, we, we've done anything to merit all of that necessarily, so to speak. In fact, a lot of what we are experiencing today in terms of the moral decadence, in terms of the breakdown of law and order, is not because of what we are doing in this generation. According to the book of Romans chapter 1, the Bible says towards the end of that chapter that it is because the fathers have forgotten the knowledge of God. That is the reason why the children have been giving up to a reprobate mind, a confused mind, a debased mind that completely 
walks away from any, that completely erodes and disregards any kind of God-set boundaries. Boundaries between sexualities, boundaries of all kinds, you know, for our morals and for our interactions with one another. The Bible says those things will completely break down because of the disobedience and the forgetfulness of the fathers. And for those of you who have sat under my teachings when, I, when I've spoken and taught about the gospel of remembrance, you would remember that I spoke extensively about the significance of remembering the things that the Lord has done, remembering the things that the Lord has said, because when we forget, we're setting up the next generation up for failure. And so a lot of what we're experiencing today is not necessarily because of what we have done, it's because of what was done for us, but it is okay because we know that in the midst of all of what's going on, nothing that we see is a surprise or should be a surprise to us because they have been prophesied. And so the breakdown in law and breakdown of law and order, the, the decadence in moral values or the erosion of moral values and all the turmoil and the chaos in the world will, will continue for some time. And it will continue until that cup of wickedness, as the Bible says, is full. Okay, so there's not there's no reason to get agitated about it or there's no reason I should say to have any false hope that these things will not happen. No, they will happen. The only thing that I want to say, folks, and I don't think I've said that enough in recent times, is this. A lot of the chaos that is going on in the world is more targeted toward the heart of toward the hearts of men. Okay, when you see the streets burning, when you see businesses being destroyed, when you see all of those things going on, even when you see people being dragged on the streets, you know, by some kind of militia, those things are not the real evil. They are not the real plagues. The real plagues or the target of any one of those things is your heart. What the enemy is after is the righteousness, the peace and the joy. So don't let's, don't let's get caught up in the physical manifestation of the works of Satan because of the fact that that is not what we need to be mindful of. We need to be mindful of what's in the heart. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. The Bible didn't say fortify your streets and lock the door of your house very tightly against evil. No, the Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence. Why is that important? That is important because of the fact that things may get worse without many of us being aware of it, simply because they may not be as physical and as out in the open as we have anticipated. You know, many people have said, well, we've always thought that when the end comes, it's going to be more apocalyptic than it is. But wait a minute. It, it, it already is so bad when you look at the state of the hearts of men, many of people are anxious all the time, depressed constantly, confused easily. Because the real treasure is not this physical body and the comfort or discomfort that it may experience. The real comfort is when the hearts of men are being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And so you may not get to the point wherein you're so much under pressure that you will sweat blood like Jesus did, but we have been pressed on every side to the point wherein sometimes you just want to, you, you just, you just want, you, you just go numb and you don't want to do anything. 
Because you're like, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to think anymore. This is just so annoying. This is just so confusing. And that is exactly where the enemy wants us to be. He wants us to get to the place where we're so numb, we're so frustrated that we cannot even open our mouths. But we as believers, we know we need to constantly open our mouths to declare the kingdom come, to declare the praises of our God, to speak life and to speak resurrection. We need to speak because the kingdom of God is in our mouths. So you see the reason why we need to know, folks, where the real battle lies. The battle is a battle that is taking place in the realm of the spirit and the prize is the hearts of men. It is not territories as we have known it. it is, these are not battles for, for, for territories. It's not one nation trying to take over another nation. In fact, it is not one political party trying to outdo another political party. It may seem like that on some days when you turn on the news, but in reality, what the enemy is driving at is the hearts of men to take away your peace, to take away your joy, and to make you doubt your righteousness. And so, when you look at these four horsemen of the apocalypse that we have seen, the effect of their tirades is essentially the hearts of men. Looking at it from that perspective enables us to go to the God-given resources that we have and to use them in fortifying our hearts so that we are not dismayed, so that we are not completely overtaken by fear. And one of such resources that I want to talk about today is joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And how do we ensure that we are constantly evoking and nurturing that joy? And, you, uh, and I use those words very carefully because um, joy, as much as, you know, we wish it would just come almost like, you know, um, uh, 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 like, the, like rain falling down. Um, it, it, it actually works a little different. To that joy is something that you need to evoke. You need to know how to juice joy, how to press it out, almost like you're you're making oil or you're or you're pressing wine. You see, it needs to go. You need to go through that process of having your attention and your focus on ensuring that the things around you that may have come against you are being um, what's the word that you take those things and you apply the right kind of pressure in return to get joy out of them. Now, let me say this again, because of the fact that if we don't know how joy works, we will settle for happiness and happiness will fail in the day of adversity. So joy works this way. The same things that have come to apply pressure over your life are the same ones that hold your joy. So you need to know how to return the pressure and squeeze or juice out your joy. How do I know that? The Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The Bible says concerning Jesus that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame. So where did he get that joy from? By returning, see, when the shame was coming, the shame came with the pressure. He was able to despise that shame and from that he drew the joy with which to endure that he may proceed to the cross with the required amount of strength. The way that applies to you and me today is this. We look at all of the division that is in the body of Christ today. We look at all of the chaos that is in the world today. 
And rather than saying, oh my God, what do we do? We should say, thank you, Lord. Let's see what you have done. Because God's done something about it. You see, because when we see that, when we see the ashes, we need to know how to look beyond for the beauty. You see, because the way God operates is that through those things that seem to be against us, against us, through them comes those things that are for us. So this Revelation chapter 6 is essentially what I have just summarized. Because when you look at the beginning of Revelation chapter 6, it starts with all the horsemen that brought, you know, the bow and, you know, uh, he was conquering and he conquered. And then the red horse came and he, he had a sword and people were killing one another. And then, you know, you went and you saw the black horse and the black horse brings rationing of resources and brings a new kind of economy and a new value system because it comes with a scale which could be anything from uh, a new kind of currency uh, to, a, to new, a new kind of global integration in our economy. It could be anything, but we know that a new standard for measurement comes because it comes with a scale. And then we saw that. And then we finally saw the fourth one. And after all of these things, you're like, oh my God, can we get a break from all of these things that are going on in the world? Yet we, we've gone from this to this, and now we're going from this to that other one. And if you look at 2020, it's almost been like that. You know, we started with the news of the coronavirus, and then you started to see the riots and the chaos and now political separation and division and antagony and 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 uh, and, um, and confusion and 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 trauma, if you would, is at an all-time high where people antagonize one another. And you're like, can we just get a break? I don't know about you, but I know many of folks have said that this 2020 and say, can we just get a break? Can we just get a break and things just go to normal even for a little bit? You see what I mean? But then at the end of the day, folks. I dare to say that these things are happening for your sake and my sake. Let us dive into that Revelation chapter 6 real quick. And then you would see, um, all righty, now I just got a message here uh, with some prayer requests uh, that are coming right now. Okay, we will take those prayer requests in just a minute. Uh, but very quickly, I want us to go very uh, briefly, actually, we're not going to dwell on it too much, to Revelation chapter 6, and we're going to start reading uh, today from verse 20. Uh, because I've summarized essentially a lot of what was, a lot of what we have until, sorry, verse 12. We will start reading from verse 12 of Revelation chapter 6. But before then, um, I, I, I get this nudge in my heart that we should pray for folks uh, before we get into that, because once we get into that, we'll be wrapping up today's, today's teaching. So, the prayer request, the first one that I have here is coming from Susie um, asking uh, for us to pray against false teachers, false prophets, and false pastors. Let us pray for God to use this church hurt caused by this deception to draw people to his love and revelation. Wow, the revelation of who he is. Praise the Lord. God is good. You know what, Susie, the good thing about this prayer request is it is happening already. It is happening already. So, like, you know, like I was saying, the things that have come against us, if we know how to spin them, they are actually working for us. And in those seeming frustrations lie the joy of the believer. Okay? And so what you're saying right now is happening already. Why or how? Many a people 
over the years by the deception of the enemy. You know, the Bible says that Satan will come in the end as an angel of light, that Satan comes as an angel of light in general, and that his messengers will do the same. They come disguising themselves as angels of light, these so-called pastors and teachers. They come in looking very amiable. They're very, they, they make you fall in love with them. You know, they, they make you love everything they do. They do the things that, you know, that are appealing to you. And then they warm up to you. And over that, over time, many of believers have actually allowed certain people to take the place of God in their lives. Wherein, rather than ask what God thinks about decisions that they need to make, they first of all need to hear what that pastor says. Rather than go to God for direction or seek for wisdom, the Bible says, let him who lacks wisdom ask of God that gives freely without reproach. Many people are like, no, I just need to go to this motivational speaker. This guy is a life coach, is a this and is a that. He can tell me five steps to going from where I'm at to where I need to be. You see what I mean? And until now, Many a people continue to glorify men rather than glorify God. And so when we started seeing in the last year or two or a little bit before that the eyes of believers have been opened to see that, wait a minute, these people claim to love, but they do not bear the fruits of love in my life. Now, the Bible says the spirit bears witness with my spirit. But if I would just take a moment to see what the Lord is saying, this is not what the Lord is saying. I've only been following this person because they've been saying all the right stuff, so to speak. They've been doing all the right stuff, so to speak. But in reality, are they saying what the Lord is saying? Many of them genuinely got exposed by God by taking the wrong steps or just simply by what I call divine timing or what we call divine timing. The time came and, and a lot of these people started getting exposed. COVID-19 has been, this season has also been a great season of exposure, exposing uh, certain things that we have become accustomed to, certain people that we have become accustomed to. Um, and now in, this, in the face of real challenges, you find that there's not been any power in a lot of those five steps to this, six steps to that. There's not been a lot of power in the kinds of services that we've been going to, in the kinds of, of meetings, even so-called revival meetings that we have been going to, simply because you cannot fake the power of God. You can fake a lot of things, but the Bible says that there is no substitute for the demonstration of the power of God. You see what I mean? And so at the end of the day, it's already happening. People are waking up. And the way I would like to spin that prayer request is this. That even some of those that the enemy has used to deceive their brothers and sisters, that even they will see the light and repent. Simply because we don't want to leave anybody behind. I am thankful to God, genuinely thankful to God for the great move of God that we are experiencing right now, wherein the hearts of men have been revived once again to not be deceived by men, but to receive from God instructions on how to comport these last days. So Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you because Jesus prayed for us that of the ones that you, Father, has given to him, none shall be lost except for the son of Perdition. Lord, we pray that those who have been in leadership, 
who may have subscribed to the ways of the world rather than allow themselves to be servants and stewards of, of you serving others, that they will find that light of the power of your Holy Spirit to repent from dead works, to turn around and also receive the humility with which to say, you know what? I was wrong. I gave place to the devil, but now the Lord's come for me and I am coming for you to let you know that it is a new day. You're my brother, you're my sister, and we are in this together for the sake of the kingdom. Lord, I pray that humility as boldness is rising, let hum humility, hum humility, let it rise also so that people will be humble enough to say that they have been touched by God and to repent and turn to you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. That was such a long, long, long prayer. And that is very much okay. Simply because it's needed. We need it more than ever before to pray for others that not even the, uh, what's the called? Uh, not, not the slightest of our brothers and sisters will be lost. Not the least I meant to say will be lost. And the reason why I'm saying that is this. I know that there are people who genuinely started out this race with great intention in their hearts to do the will of God. But the devil caught up with them like he did with Peter. And they now have denied the name of the Lord Jesus. What Jesus did when Peter denied him was that post-resurrection, he restored Peter. And as I was speaking now, Susie, this came to my heart. The, I heard it, that for those believers whose growth has been, whose growth got stunted by false prophets and teachers in this season, even this coming season, their growth in the Lord will be expedited. And I pray that. And I hope that you would agree with me in praying that into reality. That those people whose spiritual growths had been stunted by unholy association with false prophets and teachers, that their growth will be sped up. That those places where they have been serving the tables of men deceitfully, wherein they had bled out and lost resources and had their hearts broken, that they now, having come out of those places, will grow and wax strong in spirit, receiving the wisdom to discern between good and evil, the wisdom with which to know the way, that they may walk in it and fulfill their call in the time that we have left. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Awesome. Now, we've got one more prayer request here, um, and that is coming from... Uh, I can't see the name here. Oh yeah. It's coming from Leslie. Hi, Leslie. How are you today? Uh, you're having a surgery coming up later this month and you're believing for healing, wisdom, and finan financial blessings. Wow. Father, with the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for Leslie. Leslie, this that seemed to have come to put you down will also be the springboard to lift you up. You are rising up from this in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray that all the things that the Lord is saying about your condition, about your situation, that you have not heard, you will begin to hear right now.
because all things were made by the word of God. That which you desire will become reality by the word of God. The faith you need to receive the fullness of your blessing will also come by the word of God. So any impediments that may have been keeping you from hearing what the Lord is saying to you in the season, let them fizzle out in the mighty name of Jesus. I speak to your hearing today. Leslie, hear the voice of the Lord. Any form of impediment that is also keeping you from agreeing with the Lord by your confession. Let them drop off your tongue from this moment onward. You will hear what the Lord is saying about your situation and you will speak in agreement with the Lord that your joy may be full. I believe that through this you will rise. You are rising from this. You are rising by this and you are being awake, awoken by the Lord himself unto righteousness and unto a great revealing of the glory of God. Let me tell you something, you will testify. You will testify of the goodness of the Lord because I have heard God concerning you and I know that you also will hear him and his word will turn your situation right around in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we also thank you for Carol Matanucci. Father, we thank you because Carol is looking to move and Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, let there be an open door. There are mountains to climb, there are valleys to walk, but before me, there is an open door. Let that be your experience, that as you step out, you will find that which the Lord has prepared, even the ram for this season of your life that's already caught in the thicket. You will just go and possess that which is yours. Father, I pray for peace over my sister Carol as well. Let her heart be at peace. Every one of those things that the enemy has been blowing at her to rob her of her peace. Lord, let there be a stop to them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. By your grace and by the shield that you are, let her see an end to this tirade of attacks from the enemy. And Lord, as faith rises, it quenches every fiery darts of the enemy. Your heart will be at peace, Carol, in the mighty name of Jesus. Anyone bringing to you a conversation that will deflate your faith, they will be stopped by the angels that are watching over you in the mighty name of Jesus. Anyone that is coming to bring you into a conversation that depletes your confidence, they will be stopped by the mighty hand of God and your conversation will be that of a believer. Your professions will be that of faith and your results will be that of an overcomer. Going forward in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. Amen, amen, and amen. Folks, I know that uh, we're getting close to the end of the time. Uh, but I still want to pray for people, so don't let the time of day de 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 deter you from asking for prayers. If there is anything that you want us to pray about, let us pray today, and by the grace of God, we will receive an answer of peace. Alrighty, God is good. So, let's continue on now to this Revelations chapter 6, uh, verse 12. Now, it says, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. So, folks, I know that some of these things may happen totally like this in the natural. But there are also spiritual significances of these things. You know, many of us, when we look to the sun, when we come out on a sunny day, 
we get so excited. It gives us joy. It, it, it allows for things to be secreted within our system that just makes us very lively. And the Bible is saying here that the sun will be turned into sackcloth. Sackcloth in the Bible all through history has been more associated with mourning, with sadness as opposed to joy. So basically what the Bible is telling us here is that at the opening of the sixth seal, a lot of the things that we have been excited about may turn sour. Let me be very frank with you. There are certain things that have actually been revealed to me and I've shared some of them on these broadcasts. Many of the people that we have looked to who we have always been very excited about, be it politician, celebrity, or church leader, may do things that will disappoint us so greatly that we will be grieved and the sun will turn into sackcloth. Many of the things that we have always done that have brought us some kind of pleasure, that have been like sunlight in our lives, may turn into sackcloth. But it is okay, because if those things don't happen anyway, if those things don't happen, many of us will not remember the real source of our joy. If people do not let us down, that we have had confidence in, people that we've rooted for, people that we have voted for, people that we have celebrated, if they don't let us down, then how can we truly say that the word of God has been fulfilled in our lives, wherein the Bible says that the arm of flesh shall fail? But then I tell you at the end of the day, let not the failure of man equate to the failure of God in your heart. Take the failure of man and the disappointment of man for just what it is. And let your heart be recalibrated to have one hope and one hope alone in Christ, the Savior. It's okay. It, it is okay indeed to be honest for the son to turn into sackcloth. You see, remember that at the beginning of this discourse today, I did say, or this teaching today, that I'm speaking about joy as one of the resources that is made available to us by heaven with which to fight a good warfare, with which to overcome, and with which to protect our hearts from the miserable elements of this world and also from the attacks of the enemy. The reason why, knowing that the time is coming wherein the sun will turn into sackcloth and the moon will turn into blood. The moon is most exciting in our lives when it is completely white. When you see that full, full moon and it is just glowing white with all that solemn joy. You see, but the Bible says it's going to turn into blood. We don't want the moon to turn into blood. That's not what the moon should do. So a lot of the things that should comfort us, a lot of the things that we look forward to seeing may actually then become disappointments. But it's okay to talk about them now because if you don't have these things brought to bear, you will not be able to look beyond them to see the joy that is set before you. Imagine if Jesus did not know that he was going to be crucified. If all of that had sprung upon him as a surprise, how would he have been able to say those prayers that he said? In fact, how would he have received the ministry of the angels who ministered to him in the garden of Gethsemane? The Bible says it was for the joy that was set before him. And that joy is beyond the pain. Remember that we have seen back to back the horses, the plagues, and all of the disasters. But what comes after that, even after the sun and the moon, let us down. What comes after that is what brings us joy. Let us read on. 
And I hope this is making sense. The Bible says in verse 13, and the stars of the heaven have fallen to, I mean, the stars of the heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late, its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. And again, I wish I could talk about this, but this is not the subject of conversation today. But for people who need to know or who may want to study further, the reason why the Bible talks about the late figs is the fact that there is an early fig, which are called nups. And those were the ones that were missing when Jesus went to the tree uh, when he was hungry. And the Bible says that it was not yet the season of figs, but Jesus expected to find something which a lot of people have been confused about saying, well, if it wasn't the season of figs, then why was Jesus expecting to find something on it? Is that a false expectation? No, it wasn't. It wasn't the season for the late figs because the late figs are the really juicy and fruitful ones. The early ones are edible. They will satisfy. In fact, they are essentially, they are customarily reserved for the stranger. And he was the one that was prophesied, I believe, in Zechariah or Zephaniah, who would be the stranger that would come to find your early figs. There was actually a prophecy in the Old Testament about what Jesus did when he cursed the tree. And I've thought about it. But the Bible is saying here that even the late figs will be shaken out, that the stars will be shaken out as a fig tree will shake off its late figs. What will happen is this. Many are people that will be raised on the body of Christ to call out the deception. Many of the people that will be raised on the body of Christ to do many, to, to witness too many signs and wonders through whom the Lord will do many miracle signs and wonders. Many of those people in these last days who are bearing or who represent the late fruits will be cut off in their primes. They will be shaken out of their places. And people will say, wow, we were just celebrating that ministry. What is going on? And such things are intended to ensure that our hearts are well tested and that our hearts are not holding on to whatever it is that man can do or can give or can provide, but that our hearts know how to hold on to the Lord even when the sun turns into sackcloth and when the moon turns into blood. Folks, the secret of the joy of the believer is to be able to see beyond these things, is to know that our Redeemer lives, is to know that no matter what happens on the political scene and what happens economically, that our hopes are not hinged to those things, but our sufficiency is truly in God. The Bible lets us know that our sufficiency or the sufficiency of a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he owns. Many of us living in the West, especially, have been so accustomed to having our needs met and having things provided for us or made available to us, so to speak, by a system that is very, that is quite effective, a system that works, a system of welfare, a system of governance, a system of or a, a, a legal system, a system that is well, that, that has a functional security with facilities and amenities to the point wherein sometimes we don't even feel like we have a need to pray or to have an expectation of God to bless us. But all of that is about to change because many of those things that have been there, that have been shining the light over us, they're about to be shaken out of their places. Folks, sometimes I wish that I had more happy things to say, 
But I would rather say more joyful things than say happy things because happiness is temporal. But the things that I say, these messages that I bring, alerting and warning us of the things to come are the ones that will benefit us. Because whether it sounds good to you today or not, it is benefiting your spirit and helping you to be more strategically positioned for victory than if you were not told or reminded of these things. So continue to bear with me. Remember the prophet of the Lord when he was offered the book to read, he said it was bitter, but it was sweet when it got into my belly. These words may be hard words, but then at the end of the day, they will do you good. So let us keep reading. And someone is like, well, I'm still waiting for us to get to the joyful part of what you're reading. We will get there. Verse 14 says, the, then the sky receded. Okay, actually, let's skip that one. Um, then let's go to 15. 15 says, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. There's a, there's a hierarchy here. Okay. And the hierarchy tells you that people are already making plans for when the great day of the Lord comes, there are underground cities that have been built. So the rich and the commanders have already prepared places for themselves. But even the slaves and the peasants, when the time comes, even they will find a place to hide. That's what the Bible is saying against the great day of the Lord. But in the midst of all of these things that look like turmoil and chaos, look at what follows. Verse 16 says, and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. Who is able to stand? And that brings us to the end of our reading today. And someone says, well, Brother Moses, was that what you really wanted to read? Because I'm still looking for the joy. Folks, that right there is the joy. The joy is in knowing that the troubles that are coming to the world are troubles that will be so severe and so intense that no one will be able to stand. And why is that good news? The good news is this. If no one is able to stand, but you are in him, that means you will be standing and shining the light of the glory of God. I tell you what, the Father is preparing a table before you and I in the presence of our enemies. The Father is making sure that all of the tears that have been planted with the wheat will get uprooted by the shaking that is coming so that you, the wheat, will remain standing. Not because you will stand in your own power, but you will stand by his joy for that joy is your strength through which you will stand when the time comes. I tell you what, there is a great revealing of the sons of God that is coming upon the earth. Now for you and I not to fall like the children of the world will fall, we need to recognize that it is by Christ that will stand. It is by love that will stand. So let us stop trying to defend our own honor. Let us stop trying to secure our own hearts from people, but let, let us open up our hearts in love so that Christ can be seen in us and by so doing, we secure each other. 
against the enemy. I tell you what, folks, all of these things that are coming are coming to reveal the futility of the strategies of men. All of these things are coming to reveal to us that only Christ is the rock. Any other ground that you see is sinking sand. This is the reason why you as the believer should be joyful because when everybody is cut down by the things that are coming, you then have a holy excuse for the resurrection power to pick you up and let you shine as the light that you are. For me, I am looking forward to the days ahead because these days coming are the differentiator. These days coming are the separator that separates the wheat from the tears. The reason why my joy is full is because I know that no matter what happens, the more difficult and the more intense, the more tumultuous things get in the world, the closer my heart is to the Lord. Because the more I look at those things that I've once held onto and seen them for what they are, sinking sins and disappointment in the making, the more my heart learns to make the choice to choose the Lord, to choose to magnify the Lord. When people are hiding under the rocks, when they are hiding away from the great judgment of the Lord, I am hiding in the rock of ages, knowing that that judgment is already favorable unto me because the end of that judgment is that I was justified and I was glorified. And so at the end of the day, believers, if we are not looking beyond what is coming to see the glory of God, there is no way we can have our joy intact to withstand in the evil day. So folks, if this is your first time of hearing me speak about Revelation chapter 6, I want to encourage you to go on YouTube and listen to the messages that I have preached on Revelations chapter 6. I think I preached all of them in the last month. So whether it is on Tuesday or mentions that I've made on Sunday, you can catch them because ultimately we are already living in the days of the horsemen of the apocalypse. I believe it very strongly with all of my heart. The signs are there. They're very apparent. We know what times that we're in and things would get worse before they get better. And that is not just a cliche. It is prophecy that the cup of wickedness would have to be filled first of all. And those who have been standing in the way of the glory of God upon your life as a believer and a child of God would have to be cut down. But because we are all planted on the same field, wheat and tears, everybody is getting cut down, but by the grace of God, we will stand and stand by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is our seal unto the day of redemption. And so for the world system, here is a message for you. You may think you have us down. You may think you have a hold on us, but I tell you what, even the devil thought the same about Jesus. Death thought he had Jesus in the grave, but we knew what happened eventually to make the Bible say that even if, that if the devil had known the prince of this world, he would not have slain the Lord of glory because the deeper they buried him, the more he went in to their ranks and got every one of them exposed. So the more the system of this world comes against the witnesses, the more they try to stop us from preaching the gospel, the more they try to steal our joy, the more they try to evade our peace, the more they try to make us doubt that we truly are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the more the glory of the anointed one and his anointing 
will come shining through the body of Christ. We are unstoppable. We are immovable because we are being built by Christ himself. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So let that be your confidence. Let that be your joy. Not in anything that anybody does or not in anything that anyone says. Only in the promises that have been made by God and in the prophecies that have come forth. It is my ministry to bring to your remembrance that which has been declared by heaven concerning you. So hold on to the profession of your faith and your joy will be full and it will overflow even in the days ahead. So once again, thank you for your audience. Thank you for letting me serve you and thank you for serving with me in this work of the kingdom. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Only do me a favor. Keep yourself in constant remembrance that the time is short. So we need to do the work of him who has sent us, buying up opportunities for the days are evil. To buy up opportunities is to seek every avenue to let your light shine. Seek every avenue to heal the brokenhearted. Seek every avenue to make sure that your brothers and sisters are supported and encouraged by you. Not judged, not criticized, but loved and supported by you. Not just in your posts, not just in your comments, but also on your knees as you pray for one another. And that brings us to the end of today's broadcast. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information, visit us at www.communion.house and follow us on all social media platforms at Communion House. Again, that's www.communion.house and all social media platforms at Communion House. Thank you and God bless.